0: So, have you ever considered how many of our relational struggles are actually rooted in emotional struggles? We began the series last week. It's called adulting. It's this idea of growing up emotionally and spiritually rather than having stunted growth. And actually, last week we looked at this temptations that we that we face that actually keep us from our identity who we were created by God to be instead we're tempted to become people pleasers to base our identity in our performance or to base our identity in our possessions and so what we did is we're we're, we're looking at this idea of becoming emotionally mature and, and last week we did this little assessment in fact if you ever miss a message you can read the notes or listen to the message at our gateway south facebook group page But just to recap, let's just look at what it means to be emotionally healthy, emotionally mature. Here's some of the things. Maybe gauge yourself. Which of these are you strong in? Which of these need a little bit of work? No uh, elbowing as we go through. All right? The first is an emotional adult is able to ask for what they need, want, or prefer, clearly, directly, honestly. They're able to recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings. Even under stress, they're able to state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. Emotional adults respect others without having to change them. They give people room to make mistakes and not be perfect. They appreciate people who for who they are, not what they can give back. They accurately assess their own limits, strengths, and weaknesses and freely discuss this with others. They're able... They're deeply in tune with their own emotional world and able to enter into the feelings, needs, and concerns of others without losing themselves. And they have the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that consider the perspectives of others. See, but if we're honest today, we should acknowledge that all of us grew up in families that did not necessarily exhibit these traits. The hard truth is maybe hard to accept that none of our families are perfect. And some of you think, that's not hard to accept at all. (laughs) I've known that for a long time. I discovered that as a child. But see, some of the problem is sometimes we think that we're too far gone or our family's too far gone, or we think we don't need help, whereas the truth is right there in the middle. We all need help, and none of us are too far gone. No family is too far gone. But every family has been affected by this broken, sinful world. All of us have been affected by the fall. Do you know the story of the fall in Genesis 3? God created Adam and Eve, and the first thing he said to them was, don't. Don't what? Don't eat the forbidden fruit. Forbidden fruit? We have forbidden fruit. Hey, Eve, we've got forbidden fruit. No way. Yes way. Don't eat that fruit. Why? Because I'm your creator, and I said so. Mmm, no. it's tasty, juicy, mm. right? Crunchy. Didn't nice. I tell you not to eat that fruit? Uh, yeah. Then why did you? I don't know. She started it. Did not. Did so. Did not. And so God's punishment was that Adam and Eve would have children of their own. <laughs> and seen. <laughs> so it's funny, but it's true. This is the pattern we've experience generation after generation. Your family, like mine, is broken. And we inherit some real broken things from our family. Now, we also inherit some good things, too, along the way. And the path towards maturity is figuring out the difference between the two. What should we keep and what should we get rid of? What should we repent of, turn away from? See, too often we give barely any thought to the home from which we've come, unaware of how the brokenness has affected us, unaware that generation after generation has faced some of the same struggles with alcoholism and abuse, shame, and guilt, broken relationships. See, but emotional growth to maturity won't happen unless we acknowledge the baggage that we have. Now we don't have to carry that baggage around. See, God can bring us healing, but that healing doesn't necessarily always happen immediately. Sometimes it requires a process. But if we don't take this seriously, then one day we might wake up and realize this. As, soon as we moved into the new house, a lot of people have vertical blinds. Oh, well, if a lot of people jump off a bridge, would you? You hungry? I'm okay, right? I'm... I'm becoming my mother. It's been hard, but some of the stuff he says is actually pretty helpful. Um, Popkin, bundling our home and auto insurance is a good deal. Like buying a bulk, That's fun, right? Yeah, at first I thought it was just the stress of moving. (sighs) Hey, I was using that. Think we own stock in the electric company? I will turn this car around right now. There's nobody back there. I was becoming my father. It's been an adjustment, but we're making it work. You know, Progressive.com makes it easy for us to get the right home insurance. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto. So this service is not brought to you by Progressive.com. And they even said that they cannot ensure you will not grow up to become like your mom or like your dad. But you know, as we walk in faith, we actually can break the generational struggles that we've inherited. But it's important to know that growing up in these broken families has shaped us for better and for worse, both. Our family of origin has sowed into our conscious ways of living life, some that are in line with God's ways, others that are against what's best, what God wants for us. And what happens if our parents never grew up emotionally or spiritually into mature adults God intended? That's what many of us face. But we can choose. We can choose what the future looks like. With God's help, we can choose the best of what we've inherited and turn away from that which we have not. Now, some of you might feel a bit of resistance. This just sounds like psychobabble. And shouldn't we just honor our mother and father, and then it all sort of works out? And of course, the scriptures do say in Ephesians 6, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. But whenever our parents lead us against God's ways, whenever they make choices, our grandparents or great-grandparents, it actually does affect us, it does hurt us. And sociologists and scientists have tried to figure out, is this a nature thing or a nurture thing? And and although it has not yet been decided, the scripture said this a long, long time ago. Exodus 20, the sins of the parents lay upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. And some of you may be thinking, well, this isn't fair. Why should I inherit the mistakes of what others have made before me? I have nothing to do with that. And the answer is you're right. You had nothing to do with that, but no family has gone unscathed. And actually, God loves us so much that he gives us freedom, and in that freedom, we can choose to go against God's ways. But we've been warned, and generations before us have been warned that the decisions we make do affect those that come after us. And for some, that's exactly what they needed to make those changes. For others, it, it was as if they didn't say, they said, I don't care, or I don't believe that it does. But if you've seen it in your own life, if you've seen it in the lives you care of those you care about, you know that, that generational struggles are true, that they do happen. But here's what's amazing in this. This isn't just bad news. This is great news at the end. Anyone who decides, you know what? I'm going to take the best of what I've inherited and turn anything that is negative towards God's ways. Actually, we have the capacity to change what the future looks like for everyone who comes after us. For thousands of generations, it tells us. See, God's love for you is real. God is not surprised by the family in which you were born. And no matter what you've faced, he can give you the power to overcome whatever you've experienced, whatever pain you've experienced. And somehow, miraculously, he can even take those worst moments and somehow in his hands, when we trust him, can bring good from even the worst moments. Last week, we did an experience together. It was with a white stone and this week we have another experience to help you kind of move forward in this journey, but it's gonna take a lot more work. And in fact, every week we have these out at the Connect Spot, this little next step sheet. you can always go to gatewaychurch.com slash next steps. And I wanna walk you through a, a, an example from the scripture of someone's genogram. It's this idea of charting your family, both the positive things that are passed down and the negative. So let me start with Abraham. We've Talked a lot about him in the last few weeks. Abraham was chosen by God. He was blessed by God to be a blessing to all peoples, all nations. And so we see this genogram right here. And again, it's on the back. You can follow along and do your own sometime this week or in the weeks to come. But Abraham was married to Sarah, but you see that little arrow pointing to Hagar. If you don't know that story, he also had relations with Hagar, and they had Ishmael. But Abraham and Sarah had Isaac, and Isaac married Rebekah, and then they had children, Jacob and Esau, and then you see Joseph. And and you can kind of chart some of the good that came through. For example, let's start with the good. Abraham, knowing he was blessed by God, passed along a blessing to Isaac, who passed along his blessing to Jacob, who passed along his blessing to Joseph. And there's something good about that. Each of these men knew they were chosen by God and, and had a purpose. But there were negative things passed down, even by this hero in the scriptures. Abraham apparently felt his wife Sarah was very beautiful, and so twice he actually lied about her identity, afraid that the king that he met would kill him to be with his wife. So he called Sarah his sister. Don't do that, by the way. That's not a good rule of thumb. They don't like that. Wives don't like to be referred to as sisters. And so he lies, and guess what? Isaac learns to lie, and in fact, Jacob was named liar. His name literally means deceiver. And then his kids all lied about what happened to Joseph. You see, deception started going from generation to generation. But then, not only did deception pass through, but there's this favoritism. Yeah, it was neat that there was a blessing, but this blessing actually caused the others to hate, caused jealousy, caused friction, brothers. But also, we see another struggle passed along. These broken relationships, trouble in marriage, adultery passed from generation to generation. But here's what's amazing. See, there's a guy named Joseph. And when he was tempted to have an affair with his boss's wife, he said no. When he could have taken revenge on his brothers for the evil they did, he said no. See, Joseph, because of his faith, was able to start a whole new life for everyone who came after him. That's what could happen for you and for me. When you and I begin to become aware of the patterns in our life, the good and the bad, we can begin to make choices that forge a new path. And we don't have to do this on our own. In fact, the scriptures tell us we, each of us in this room, are being invited into a new family with a new heavenly father. No matter what generational sins and patterns are passed on to you, we can break These chains, when we join this new family, listen to these words in Hebrews chapter 2. We discover this redemptive family, a family that is healed and has the power to bring healing to those around them. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. See, God entered into time and space, lived among us, taught with authority, brought healing to people. And ultimately, Jesus suffered for us, dying on the cross for you and for me, that we might have life. See, taking on himself The punishment we deserve. And all we have to do is say, I need forgiveness. I need your help, God. And when we do, when we say yes, we are adopted into his family. And suddenly we have a new priority. We have guidance to become the healthy version of who we were meant to be. We honor our families of origin, but suddenly they're no longer the number one priority. Whenever there's this Tension between God's ways and what our family would want for us. We have to choose God's ways. We see this in Jesus' life. Mark chapter 3, a crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. See, when we say yes, To God, his ways become priority. We are no longer under the authority of our parents, but we're under a new authority, always honoring parents, but not having to go in the ways of darkness. I don't know if you know Amon Quadri. He's a part of our church for years, and he's one of our overseers. And Amon grew up in a family where he was raised Muslim, grew up in Houston, And as an adult here in Austin, as part of Gateway, he discovered that Jesus was the Messiah, and he became a follower of Jesus, much to his parents' dismay and frustration. In fact, his parents thought they could convince him to change his mind. They told him, Amon, it's either Jesus or us. Amon, never wanting to be in that position, chose Jesus. He went on to get married. He has two girls, and his parents would not bend. For years, they were separated. For years, he would pray for the chance to reconnect. His sisters would reach out to Amon. It was two years ago when their daughters were about age six and five that Amon's parents finally met their granddaughters. Amon's sisters over the years have watched Amon walk this difficult path, and they see something so different in him. It's not about religion, but this this following Jesus has changed him. That can happen for you and for me. It's hard. See, some of us come from families that have done everything in their power to keep us from faith. Some of us are in families that have done so much damage that it feels like it's impossible to become emotionally or spiritually healthy. But I'm telling you, everything is possible with the God of the impossible. Amman was telling me, as hard as this was, there is a verse that he used to hate he couldn't stand it. He didn't like it but, it, but it helped make sense of what he was going through. It says this in Matthew 10. Anyone who loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus said, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And what Jesus was saying, is this idea of taking up a cross means taking up that cross like Jesus did. It means dying to yourself. We need to die to the old ways Those destructive things that we've inherited from our families. We need to die to those habits, die to those selfish desires in order to become who God wants us to be. And our love for God is so real and such a priority that that all other relationships appear as not as important. Now, here's what's amazing. What I've discovered in my own life, what I've seen happen over and over, is the closer you get to God, the better son or daughter you actually become. The better friend you actually become. You see, the closer we get to God, no matter what persecution we might face, the better version of ourselves we become, which intrigues, which makes those in our family curious. See, do you see the broken patterns in your life? Do you see what's keeping you from moving forward? Are you from a family that's just been shattered and broken and you've lost hope? Amon reminded me of this quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. See, some of us, we need what we experience on Sundays. We need community because sometimes we feel hopeless. And when we don't have enough hope, we need to borrow hope from someone else. Find someone a half step ahead of you that's making progress of becoming who God created them to be that you can see it's possible. That's why we, we, we don't exist alone. We're always trying to encourage you to take that next step. For some of you, just having other people who know you, serving others with others, that's your next step. For others of you, it's, it's jumping into a life group, a community where people know your name, where you walk through understanding and applying the scriptures together. We even have classes. Maybe that's your next step. We have these classes. Just go to gatewaychurch.com slash restore and you'll see the classes, the options that we have here at Gateway South. Recovery groups for men and for women, grief share. We have classes at the North Campus for folks who are wounded from the past. A divorce care, a recovering from an affair, Marriage built to last, or even for those who are seriously dating or engaged, something called soulmates. All these are options to help you navigate this so you don't have to go through this alone. See, these healing environments, as described by Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, are places where you do not judge. He says, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye? When all the time... There is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, he says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophet. See, Jesus is saying, just stop judging other people. Stop blaming other people. Take personal responsibility for your own struggles. And create the space where others can be honest about their issues. Just as you... And I need to be honest about ours. And in those healing environments, we can find healing. You know, I've been working through this genogram and reading the book, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, that we've been talking about. And this process has been very insightful and helpful. One of my struggles is connecting my head and my heart uh, just this disconnection with my feelings. I was never allowed to express my feelings. I was never really allowed to, to, to be myself without getting into some sort of trouble. And, and as I was looking at my family, you start to see how this has been a pattern. We have a lot of other pra- problems too, but this is just one of them we have time to talk about. And I love my grandfather. He passed away about 11 years ago. His, we called him Pawpaw. I'll show you a picture of him. But everyone else called him Frosty. Maybe you can see the resemblance. We had similar hairstyles, <laughs> and he was the life of the party. Everywhere we went, everyone knew him. And yet, he struggled with alcoholism. He had a nervous breakdown, was in a mental institution for a while. He had this this rage, this anxiety kept us at a distance. I remember how he would hold up his glass of sweet tea there in San Antonio, and he'd shake it. My grandmother would jump up to go fill it back up. My mom said even when she was a little girl, he would whistle, and she'd come running, and then he'd tell his friend, see, I told you she'd come. And after getting through the alcoholism, he, he was just someone who always sat there watching television. It was on all the time. And he had all these little phrases, most of which I cannot say. But one I remember in particular, he would always say when I'd accidentally sit in front of the TV, he said, Eric, your daddy's not a glass maker, which I never really understood. But my, wife, my, my mom explained, he means your dad didn't make a glass child. He can't see through you. And he would give us little nicknames. He called my brother Catfish. My brother, who was eight years old at the time, said, Papa, why do you call me Catfish? He says, because you're all mouth and no brains. (laughs) Kind of hurts (laughs) a little bit. His nickname for my wife was Lightning, because she got ready so slowly every morning. Where's Lightning, you know? He just had all these quirks about him, but it was rooted in so much pain as I discovered how, as a child, his strict mom would pop him on the head with her, Finger that had a ring, how it was his relationship with his mom that actually led to this nervous breakdown. See, there's so many things I love about my grandfather, but there's so many other things that I don't want to experience or even to pass on. I'll show you a picture of my mom. Here she is as a little girl in San Antonio, Texas. And she grew up and she wasn't allowed to express her emotions. And in fact, as she got a little bit older, uh, she had a brother who's 12 years younger. Here's a picture of my uncle there. But about that age, my mom found faith. And she told me how she asked God to help her never become an alcoholic. There was a fight inside the house, and she was so scared, she ran outside, and she began praying, God, please give me a husband nothing like my dad. He was into this family that I was born. Here's a picture of me. (laughs) Same hairstyle back then. (laughs) Actually, I did have hair. I have proof. I have another picture. I don't know if I can pull that one up. There I am. Look at all that hair. Which, by the way, that's a perfect example of how we grow up at different stages. Like I had a big old adult teeth, little kid head, (laughs) Right? But this was the family in which I was born into. I didn't get to choose this family. You didn't get to choose that family. But I had a mom who decided not to become an alcoholic, never to give control to a substance, who decided that faith was more important than taking on what she inherited from her family. Now, my grandfather did a lot of great things, too. He was an umpire, baseball umpire, which I always thought was so cool, When I'd walk in, he'd say safe or out, you know, and he would always get me little silver dollars with the year of my birth. And I love money, (laughs) and I love that he was thinking about me. When I was driving in high school, he would get me these little diamond shamrock sheets that had all the little stickers I needed to get a full tank of gas for free. He spoke (laughs) my love language. (laughs) See, there are things for my grandfather I want my children to experience there are other things that I've inherited that I have not yet overcome I don't want my kids to experience. And so as I realize this disconnection between my head and my heart, I've realized that I have emotions I've stuffed down. It's like I've been buried alive. And I've told my wife, even yesterday, hey, as I learn to express my emotions, it's gonna come out a little awkwardly. Might even hurt. Just give me some grace as I try to learn to be emotionally healthy. What have you inherited? What have you just embraced as if it has to be true of you when in reality God wants to free you from that very thing? And it takes some work. See, sometimes God heals us immediately, but other times we're healed over the course of time. Just like a physical injury sometimes might require some sort of rehab. Some sort of effort week after week, month after month to finally get back to health. Sometimes emotionally we're so damaged that it doesn't just happen immediately that we need to take the time to invest in becoming healthy. And That's what we want to help you do. And I can tell you in my experience going to a counselor, going through the 12 Steps, with others, being in a life group, serving others with others. These have been incredible parts of my life, helping me see what I could not see in my own. See, the problem is these struggles from our past we inherit, we just take them as if they are what is true when they don't have to be. We can be free. Listen to this prayer in Psalm 79. Do not hold against us the sins of the father's May your mercy come quickly to meet us for we are in desperate need. What I love about God is that he loves you enough, he loves me enough that he put us in our family that we might experience his healing so we can bring that healing to everyone older than us and bring that healing to everyone who comes after us. You can be the one who breaks the struggle. And guess what? As we find healing and bring that healing to our family, our families that are healed can bring healing to our city, bring healing to our country. What is God wanting to free you from? See, finding healing is God's intent for you. And bringing that healing to others is his purpose for us. So here's what I want you to do during this next song. I want you to consider what has been passed on to you that is a blessing, and what have you inherited that is something you do not want to carry anymore. Consider that as we listen to this.